Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben DuBose, and I'm a staff writer with Materials Performance Magazine, also known as MP. Today, in the latest episode of our MP interview series, we're continuing our mini-series to spotlight some of the newer technologies designed to assist against the, or with, I should say, the war against corrosion. In late April, as many of you are likely aware, we announced winners of the 2021 class of the MP Corrosion Innovation of the Year Awards Program. These winners, which you can read about at materialsperformance.com, were graded and judged by a panel of industry experts across numerous fields and sectors within corrosion control. Anyway, over the coming weeks and months, we're inviting each of these winning groups onto the podcast to talk just a bit more about their innovation and how they think it can potentially change the corrosion industry in the years ahead. Joining us today, we have Dr. Patrick Dodds, CEO and founder of Hexagon Inhibitors. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Ben. Thanks for inviting me and um, looking forward to this opportunity. Uh, we're really grateful for the award we received from AMPP um, and, and uh, talking about our, our discovery. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to talk a little bit more about it. And of course, you've been a loyal supporter of MP for years also, well now AMP. And so I think this will be a good opportunity to sort of explain your perspective for our audience, our longtime and well, some of our newer members as well, given the merger. Anyway, I think a good place to start, if you could just introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about your career in the industry, your role with Hexagon, and I suppose if you could, a little bit about the history of Hexagon as well, because it's a, it's a pretty unique story how you guys were formed. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, it, it really wasn't, you know, when I started out thinking, oh, I'm going to get a career in corrosion or corrosion technology. Um, I was actually working as a pharmaceutical scientist making uh, clinical trial material. Uh, so I did a lot of milling of dry powders um, and decided to go back to university. Uh, I got paid to do a doctorate, which was great. Um, so I got a salary to go and do my doctorate and it was sponsored by industry. So all the all the research at the Swansea University is linked to industry. So it's all very relevant. There's no kind of like, it's all solving the problem for industry. And my, my problem that I had to solve was finding a replacement for hexavalent chromate uh, in the core coating industry. Um, so that started in 2011. Uh, I did loads of work, four years, end of my doctorate, and then suddenly we found something that worked so well um, that my student who was working with me, I didn't believe they'd set the test off. Um, uh, and then after a month, I did it. And then my professor didn't believe me for a month. And then it just kind of all skyrocketed from there because they'd never seen anything performing. So we, we, did, we looked at smart release reservoirs rather than a chemical or a different iteration or mm. uh, a lot of the ones you see are phosphates or different polyphosphate iteration on the market. What we do is we look at smart release vehicles, so a reservoir system that locks onto inhibitor systems uh, and then only releases them on demand. Um, so it, it's a totally unique uh, concept. Uh, and although there's quite a lot of academic work on it, what we did is instead of writing a paper on it, we put a patent on it and that's how we have ended up where we are today. So tell us a little bit more about your winning innovation. What is it and generally speaking, how does it work? Yeah, so as I say, to, to, to expand on that smart reservoir system, we, we use what we term chemical intelligence um, to look at characteristics or properties uh, mm. and uh, engineer the material. So in this instance, we engineered the system to be affinitive with the inhibitor, lock it in, and then it needs a corrosion trigger 
to release. Um, so this then means that it sits in the coating and only upon an event of corrosion would it release its inhibitor, which is highly effective. The other part of it is that our product not only increases the life cycle of your assets, so helps in that way for sustainability. Um, in some instances, we, well, we remove hexavalent chromate, very toxic from the supply chain. Uh, so that's a big driver in Europe. It's actually illegal apart from mm. some, some exclusions. Uh, but also then you've got your chrome freeze, so something like a zinc phosphate. And what we've enabled our customers to do is obtain better performance than they were getting with 29% of an active. And by using our smart release reservoir system, we've actually reduced the amount of chemical needed to do the protection down to about 2%. Um, another bonus, and they just kept coming and it's, it's great for us, but we're working with an adjacent chemical industry, taking their waste stream and we process that and then we turn it into our product. So we're dealing with their waste stream and it means that we get uh, a cheaper raw material to work with so we can pass that on to our customers as well. Um, so it makes us very attractive to the market, um, not only on the performance, but we can compete with some commodity products like zinc phosphate um, by utilizing a lot less. Your cost per litre of paint is a lot less. Uh, so you'll get patented technology for cheaper than you'll get and higher performance than you're getting for your commodity product. So how long has this been in the works? If you could just take us back to sort of the origins of it and the driving forces. I know you touched on this a little bit already, but basically how this came to be and what the motivations were to sort of develop this. And I suppose also the point in which you realized that you guys really had something here. Yeah, so I'd say take us back to 2015, the end of my doctorate. And, and we realized at that point that there was something very incredible about this system and how it performed and how it outperformed hexavalent chromate by a long way in the lab tests. But also then we took it into an industrial setting and once we got the results back from that, we really knew we had something. Uh, what really kicked it off, I don't know if you set off on this journey thinking I'm gonna have an corrosion inhibitor journey uh, mm. at the end of the journey. I don't, you don't, I don't know what, you know, at the time we didn't know where, we're very much more focused now, but when you're in the university setting, it's kind of what if this or that, or who's gonna take this on? Um, and I think it was from, we won an award from the, they're called the Armors and Braziers um, livery, uh, and they're in London, they're a very old society. So these guys uh, actually go back to uh, when you had armour, uh, and this is the livery company of all those companies that were making armour. Uh, they carry on now, but they're more material science focused. So we won their material science venture prize, uh, which kicked off forming the company, and that was kind of the first step of turning it into a, not university discovery, but a um, commercial company mm -hmm. and thinking, well, maybe we do have a chemical uh, or corrosion inhibiting company. And and a lot of people have told me not to do it along the way. Uh, and I think I'm so pig headed that I definitely we just carried on and doing it and we're doing it. And actually now we're, we're producing at the tonnage level uh, and further beyond uh, after this year. So it's one of those things that you don't expect to set out to do this. Uh, and you, you've got a million and one people telling you not to do it. Um, uh, and I think people, you know, sometimes got to do that, make that step, take that risk and, and realize that not just having that academic research, you can make a commercial product. And currently I'm employing around about 14 people in around about two years. So I, I couldn't work on the product because I had a conflict uh, because of, I was working for a very large steel company at the time mm -hmm. who were potential customers. 
Um, so I couldn't work on it fully. So I started in, I won an award from the Royal Academy of Engineering. Um, we're not award chasers, but we, we do chase the money. Um, and this this is a great one from the Royal Academy of Engineering. They do it every year, quite a few times now. Uh, you get you get a certain chunk of money, so that'll pay for my salary for a year. Yeah. You get some training for a year to teach you from being an engineer into a CEO. You know, it was really helpful. And then you get given around about £25,000 to get the company going as well. So, and, and none of it's equity based. So it's, it's you take the awards, um, uh, the awards come with money. Uh, we were just, you know, scrabbling around. How can we fund this? How can you get this? You know, money doesn't just come from nowhere. It's very hard to get grants and it's not so straightforward. We have had a few grants now, but at the time, so we, we, we managed to get these. And again, not to name drop, but the Royal Society, we managed to get an award through them that funded our first jet mill. Um, so that enabled us to micronize our product very quickly and then have a, a commercially viable, ready product all ready to go uh, out onto the market. So when you deal with some of these clients that I'm sure have looked in the past at various inhibitor solutions, what are some of the questions that you're having to answer? What's some of their, I don't know if skepticism is the right word because that sounds a little bit harsh, but I suppose they look at some of their challenges and they know what you're trying to address, but at the same time, there's these historical limitations what are some of those questions that you often get when you have a client that wants to know um you know how your solution is going to succeed when others historically have not i think you know you've got we've got a totally unique system there is honestly nothing like it on the market mm -hmm. i think that helps i think having 30 years worth of research behind us all our validations are done independently we've got some customers who are kind enough to let us share their data from their full posting systems. So we've got all this backup that, first of all, we're scientifically based from the university. Um, they've designed machines that can see through coatings, so we could test in 24 hours. You know, I made, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of different iterations of which we would test and the different different systems and clays and all, all these different things in there. Um, so it's not just it. it's we tried one test and it happened. We've got a lot of scientific mm. data. They're solid in, in, in electrochemistry. It's an amazing department and the professors there are incredible uh, and really unique uh, equipment they've made in-house that other universities buy off them. So we've got a bit of credibility before we get going, but the test results really speak for themselves. Uh, you can't deny what you see in the images on the, on the corrosion data, especially on steel. You know, it's loads of red rust or very little red rust with our product um and and this has helped the market you know they will have to do their own validations i do have to say there's sometimes you get this reluctance and you get this not invented here syndrome and, it, and, it, and we've had we've experienced this with um the larger companies because generally they've got some of their own technology they've developed or they've got an expertise center that you know where, where have we come from with this you know and so you do find a lot of reluctance from these guys there and you know you might get this rhetoric oh it's not any better than what we're currently using it's like well we know it is but you know there's a reluctance to change um that i think that's one of the biggest things but it's, it's a really conservative industry you can't deny it right it, you know, in europe we would still be using hexavalent chromate but it was banned by law um you know so they've had to change and that's just because of legislation otherwise i don't i can't see it would have changed 
um, really. But what we are seeing is now it's kind of a bit of a domino effect. So we're working in Japan, uh, the US, uh, India, and they've all got impending uh, bans in uh, India and Japan. They have got this ban coming into force. And I wouldn't be surprised if the USA doesn't kind of follow suit as well at some point. But we do have a lot of especially the military are really trying to move away from hexavalent chromate as well. So it's you've got this we can we can remove. I think there's not been that product that's matched the performance of hexavalent chromate for all its toxicity. It is very highly performing, but it's so dangerous and it's caused so much cancer that you know they want to move away from it. So if we can give people an option of removing that highly toxic compound from their supply chain, we will help them do it. Um, and subsequently, weirdly, one part of our, the inhibitor system that we're using is actually taken as a pharmaceutical. So, you know, you, you, we're not we're never saying to people, you know, swallow our product. But, you know, it's a hell of a lot safer than something like hexavalent chromate. Uh, and we can give you the performance that you would get from hexavalent chromate. In fact, we just uh, in some independent tests matched the performance of hexavalent chromate from two tier one companies. Uh, and it was their chromated or chromium six. Uh, products uh, that are on the market today and someone had independently tested ours against theirs uh, and demonstrated that we had equal or, or increased performance. So there's no real reason why if you've got performance, you're still using that toxic compound. You know, that's that's a, a question that needs to be asked is if you can get a move away from that. You've got the performance, we've demonstrated the performance. So why are we continue to use something that's really dangerous? Um, and then on the other side, you've got the the, the chrome freeze, as we call them. Uh, and they don't match the performance hexavalent chromate. So you kind of get into this middle ground of uh, it's, it gives you OK performance. And we're saying, well, we can give you better performance. Um, just for one example. So we were working with a customer recently. They were in their system. They're using 14 percent of zinc phosphate. I can't say who it is and I'm not going to divulge any more information. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't know that either. Uh, we we do know it, but we don't. We did it from you know, kind of back calculating. So that's that's a much cheaper product than ours per kilo. But you can use two percent of zinc phosphate, and you put three percent of our product in. So you have a, a synergistic effect as well um, with phosphate-based systems. So we're not going in there and saying only use this one product. It, this is a silver bullet. It's kind of use it in combination. Look at the characteristics from one and the other one how they work together and then you start getting this performance that you're, you're requiring or exceeding your current performance. Um, so we work in synergy with that and what we've demonstrated is we've reduced the amount of active chemical in that coating system down to 3.2% but given an excellent performance 2000 hours plus of um, you know cyclic testing and, and we'll be going out and used on infrastructure uh, by that customer now and we gave them over 25% saving in their costs associated with the corrosion inhibitor additive that they're putting into that primer system. Mm. So it's, it's kind of like, oh, and the other one next one we had, but this isn't intentional, you know, it's kind of like things are all aligning. We actually reduced the VOC content of that primer system uh, by about a quarter. Um, wow. So we kind of, you sit and you go, well, surely you should just be buying this now. Um, but you do have a bit of a conservative industry. So it's just getting through those barriers and, and having an understanding investors who understand that there's a very nice uh, market at the end. We've just got to get through the conservativeness, demonstrate all these benefits of moving over, and then, then we get to see uh, the sales increase. You mentioned the data, which sounds fairly enormous. What type of field testing are we talking about with this? How are you collecting the data and just shed a little bit more light about exactly what it is that you're able uh, to show statistically? 
So most most of the data we have that we're allowed to share um, is from customers who've trialled it against their current systems. We've only as a drop-in replacement or or a substitute. Um, they would make up it with filler. But we've got another advantage that our product has a much lower specific gravity than the other systems. So by weight, you get a much bigger volume. And actually, because of the reservoir system, you get a solid content added in there because of our product also. Um, so it, it, it kind of just is that we, we, we are demonstrating these effects. We've got the accelerated test is mainly the ones we're allowed to share. So you, you kind of salt spray, uh, click testing, humidity. There's a lot of companies who won't let us share any data because of how we how we perform with their current system. We, we wouldn't ever do that anyway. You know, we, we respect our NDAs and we, we expect our, our NDAs to be respected also. Um, so yeah, it, it's, 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 it's one of those things that we can, we've got data in field, outside data as well. Um, again, that's not so much that we can share that data, but because we've got confidence built from the very uh, electrochemical reaction basis and the performance there through to uh the field testing we know the product works as the, you know this we wouldn't be doing this if i wouldn't have started the company from an, <laughs> sure. an engineering point of view if i hadn't had that solid scientific basis to work off and then move forward you can't make up performance it has to perform there's there's, there's no two ways about it what type of feedback have you gotten from users that have actually adopted it. We spent a lot of this podcast talking about sort of the conservative nature of the industry and needing folks to give it a chance. From those that have given it a chance, I know you can't go into specific results, but just talk a little bit if you could about, you know, I suppose the types of applications and what it is that they're seeing. Yeah, so we, we've had good results from aerospace and uh, protective coatings, that's our main push. Uh, because the market's a bit more responsive than the other markets. We've got good results in core coating. Uh, we've got some mixed results from core coating uh, as well, but where the test hasn't been done correctly. So I'm always trying to ensure that they're doing things correctly. I've got a big background in core coating as well because of where the doctorate started. Uh, so I understand all the interlayers in there. So what we've had is good results from across all those industries. Um, and it's it's a significant difference in performance. It's not small, it's significant, especially when you're looking at um, uh, mild steel protective coatings or galvanized steel, um, but mild steel especially because the speed at which it deteriorates uh, and then you can see the difference between our products and other products much quicker. So that enables people to make that decision a lot quicker. And then there's a few driver forces in there. So it depends who your customer is. We, we, we've got all these benefits, uh, but for one customer, Purely, it was based upon saving costs on their raw materials, um, but also getting a better performance at the same time. Um, other ones is we can remove uh, the dead fish and dead tree symbol from the paint tins uh, by utilizing our product. Uh, so that's a big boon for them and then their customers as well. Uh, the performance is really what a driver in the aerospace industry, uh, you know, we, we've compared uh, against things that are 16 times the cost of our products and were being touted as the next best thing to chromate and actually we hugely outperformed them and you didn't need to uh, you know grind ours down to a nanoscale mm -hmm. um, so the performance is probably where we start but then once you get into the more commercial conversations it's cost is always you know significant driver 
for anyone, I think. Um, and if we can reduce those costs, I guess, especially against something like a zinc phosphate, then, you know, it's insane that we can, we're 10 pounds a kilo, say, or 15 pounds a kilo or 20 pounds a kilo, depending on your grades. Um, and then you're competing against something that's three pounds, 57 a kilo, but we can still beat them on cost because you have to use so much less of our material to gain better performance. Uh, and that's the main driver for us is sustainability and increasing the life cycle of assets, making better paint, you know, um, lots of paints made every year, uh, lots of paints removed and repainted. And, you know, that, that's got a significant amount of drain on the Earth's resources. And we've just done a piece of work and we, we actually found it from um, a piece of uh, Norwegian research that looked into the amount of new steel that's needed um, to, to replace uh, corroded material. And it's something like 40% of all new steel made is done to replace corrosion, uh, corroded metal uh, or corroded steel. Um, so that accounts to 3.2% of the world's CO2 emissions. And if you take, for instance, the aerospace industry, where there's a massive focus on their CO2 output, then they're only at 2.5%. So there's a whole big thing that we're missing here that we need to address uh, pretty pretty quickly and that's our driver is to make better performance coatings less maintenance less drain on the resources of the world uh, and, and utilizing a lot less uh, to do it as well so what are the next steps as far as the path to commercialization i know this has already started so perhaps it's less about commercialization and more about just more widespread adoption but uh, basically what comes next when it comes to expanding the use and application of this so um, what we've learned is that the quicker adopters are generally a tier two, potentially still family owned businesses, not necessarily, but potentially. And you can talk to a decision maker in there quite quickly, whereas if you're, you're approaching larger companies, it's a much longer sale. The volumes in the end will obviously be much bigger. But when you've got to get through multiple layers and departments and committees, so our focus is really working with our tier two customers uh, across the globe as well. This isn't you know, just the UK. We're working, you know, there's a lot of work going on in Taiwan at the moment. We've got a brilliant distributor working there on our behalf. Um, in Japan as well, we've got a great distributor who's working on our behalf. They've all done their own testing before they've gone to the market. And again, in Canada as well, and, and Europe, we're just making up, a, a getting together with that. So we're utilizing different streams and channels. We've done a lot of direct marketing myself. We've got an amazing marketing um, manager called Ella, who um, is very good uh, at getting our technical articles into the right places so the right audience sees them. It's kind of a niche product. You know, we're not trying to look for the bigger market, but I think tier twos is where we're really focusing uh, on for us as a, as a company. Um, because they're, they're hungry for market share um, and by having a differentiated better primer system they can get their market share increased and so that's really we our company we want to help them build their company uh, and then you know a big focus then for us is protective coatings because of the speed at which it can goes so we've got we've got several streams of who we're working with um, there's the quicker ones to move forward uh, so they're at the forefront uh, and then we've got the slower burning ones moving along quite nicely in the background as well and then and then you know we've got surprise ones that come out of nowhere so we've just had an order come in this week from India um, and we weren't even expecting it so it's 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 kind of one of those we're scaling, we're scaling the manufacturing, we're scaling the team at the moment. We've just taken on um, mm -hmm. a 
actual director. He's got 25 years of experience working through places like Acton Nobel and then Huntsman Pigment. So he's bringing a wealth of knowledge to the, to that side, side of everything. Um, and then on the other side of it, we've got Innovate UK uh, loan from the UK government, very low rate to help uh, innovation in the UK. And that's to pay for all our capital equipment to uh, upscale the manufacturer to the next step. And then beyond that, then we've got manufacturing partners and, and looking at potential partners in, in regions uh, where the demand is as well. So um, yeah, it's there's a lot happening. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, but it's all good. It's all moving in the right direction. You know, it's, um, and we've just had a round of investment to help us uh, on that journey as well, because the time you have to wait for the validation, you know, there is a cash burn in that period. And then sure. once sales start coming in, everything starts to balance up again. But the investors are great. We've got some real um, industry hitters in our investment and real uh, amazing experience between them all as well. So really like, driving us forward on that one as well. We're wrapping up here with Dr. Patrick Dodd, CEO and founder of Hexagon Inhibitors, one of the winners of our 2021 MP Corrosion Innovation of the Year Awards. As we wind this thing down, one of the things we do with each of our guests are these rapid fire questions that are designed to let our audience know a little bit more about each of our guests on a personal level. So I think a good place to start with you, Patrick, would be um, who's someone that you consider a hero or a mentor to you? This can be for you personally, or this can be for uh, you out in the industry. Well, um, I think for me, my board is amazing. For they're all mentors to me on different aspects of the company. We've got people who, like mm -hmm. Phil Buck, has run his own coatings company. He built it up and sold it to Exalter in 2017. Um, so he knows the industry inside and out. Um, I've got the other team members as well. I've got the chair of the board who helps us on the different aspects of other things. And then and then, and then, then our day-to-day -day team as well. They're also our mentors as well. Um, I do have a mentor uh, supplied by the Royal Academy of Engineering. So uh, Dr. Peter Williams, he's a CTD of Ineos. Um, so I think, you know, it's uh, a lot. There's, there's, there's so many people. Sure. There's, there's, there's a lot and it's not just one person. It's a, it's a collective of people that Understandable. Know, doing this journey with. So let's go to the other extreme. What's something in a work capacity that's a really big pet peeve to you? Well, my my biggest one is um, not being open and honest. We we this is one of our core values in the company. Mm -hmm. Open, honest. There's no gripes. It's all open. Um, I think people who put on a face at work, and it's not really them. And then there's another side to them. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't value that in, in in any way. And I think you need to be authentic in yourself in the workplace. Um, so for me, if I'm working with people and they've got an ulterior motive, that's a no-no. They they need to go. Um, it's it's we work as a team, and and it's not about one person. So that for me would be you know, probably the biggest pet peeve I would have. You mentioned earlier your university background. What's something that you would say to someone that's fresh out of school, a newcomer to the industry, what advice would you give to someone that's sort of uh, just starting out on this journey? Um, on an entrepreneurial journey, I would say, you know, it's hard work, but it's worth it. Um, and in the industry, you know, it's massive. I don't think you quite realize, I, you know, I didn't even know before I went back to do my doctorate, it wasn't even on my radar, materials engineering or corrosion and coatings industry um, but once we're in it now that the realization of the global industry and the global nature of the industry and um, 
it's it's significant um, and and also you know quite exciting and interesting and there's the opportunities are are huge. So as we conclude this, for anyone that's listening that wants more information about you about Hexagon the technology, where can they find it? Basically, this is your spot where you can plug uh, any resources that you all have for our audience and where people can get that information. Yeah, absolutely. So go to our website, www.hexagon.com, and that's H-E-X-I-G-O-N-E.com. Um, that's got all our information on there. Contact Sean Reed, our, our sales and uh, commercial director. Um, uh, and there's an info at hexagon.com as well to send emails to. Uh, teams more than willing and helpful, and uh, you know, we, we always get back to people. No one's ever left um, without a response. Sounds good. Folks, that's where we will wrap up today's episode. If you want more information beyond what uh, Dr. Patrick Dodds just laid out for Hexagon, you can also check out the AMP website at ampp.org, and you can also visit materialsperformance.com for all sorts of news related to the corrosion control industry. Also, if you if you have not already subscribed to this podcast or if you haven't left it a five-star review, please do. We're available at Apple, Google, Spotify, and virtually every major podcast distributor. With that, we'll sign off. For Dr. Patrick Dodds, I'm Ben DuBose. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another episode from the MP Interview Series.